is dangerous. He's hard to tackle. He's impossible to tackle. He's too good, Luke Bruce. Kaczynski from behind couldn't take it. Road by Envy. He's been dangerous. Had a few looks. Didn't need another. Morrison to Lewis. Already kicked three. Brushed the tackle. How about four? Lead is dominating this quarter. Off to Parnell through the middle. Adelaide's really dominating this quarter. Walker back to Parnell. Nice build-up. Can they make it count? Smith, he'll be caught! Nash! Nash his teeth and mowed him down! This will be some milestone for Hawthorne as well as much as the wins have not been overly significant this season. That is win 1,000. It was only a matter of time until it all came together for the Mighty Hawks, and indeed they made amends for past disappointments at Marvel Stadium with a 32-point win over the Crows. It's great to be back here on the Hawk Talk podcast to recap a win, and a very entertaining win at that, so let's get down to business. My name is Nick Mason and Tiz. I know you're itching to talk about a certain Irishman, but who else impressed you this past Sunday afternoon? Sammy. Oh yes. How we started. Two very, very defensive forwards. I thought that was good. A little bit bizarre. I mean, we did call for Finn McGuinness to be back in the side. I don't think either of us quite predicted he'd be back in that manner. Absolutely not. Gave him a role. He performed the role admirably. And then Jarman Impey looks like a natural forward. Who'd have thought? Great, enjoyable evening. Lots of Hawks fans. Thousandth win. Thousandth win. I'm so glad I was there for it. Value for money is the Hawthorne Football Club for its members. Uh, we're still head and shoulders above uh, any competitors, Victorian competitors. I think Geelong's next, and they're about 30 wins off the pace. Speaking about head and shoulders above. Go on. Mitch Lewis. Come oh, really? On. I-, I listed him you, later no, you, in the rundown. No, no, no. You've got to get him in the first half of the show. So, no. off you go. <laughs> Does his best work in the first <laughs> half. But why would you work for four quarters when you can win the game in a half? In a quarter. Well, in a quarter. <laughs> yeah, well. It, was, it was tremendous. He was kicking butts all over the shop. Very good. There it is. Yeah. I'm sure Jordan hasn't heard that one before. <laughs> uh, a blistering first half, as you say, that um, really did prove the difference. He was uh, well held beyond half time, yes, but that was a little bit too late for the Crows because he kicked 5-1 and the final margin was 32 points. So, well, I mean, we've seen forwards have an impact like that before in a quarter, but they've never, or, or in a half, but they've never kicked that accurately. Hard to miss, though, when you're on the goal line for at least one. But every time he got it, and let's not forget he had so many score involvements. Yeah, a team high 11 score involvements in all. And I think we had 11 goals at that point. Mm. And he'd had a touch in every one of them. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he, he is turning out to be an excellent, excellent forward. And you shouldn't be getting that. Like, actually, this is why I bought in the paper today. Okay. I wanted. I wonder what that was. I haven't seen one of those in a while. Actually, is that the Herald Sun? It is. It is interesting. Okay. And uh, yeah, Dad picked it up. He thought I should have a look. Probably uh, won't let you in next time you have one of these. But anyway, <laughs> all right. What you want to do is find the common theme. I'm just reading them out in order of Supercoach points, right? <laughs> okay. All Which right. is pretty arbitrary. But I was going to say does, I didn't think you were a fan of it. Those. Does talk to uh, their impact mm. in the game. Mm-hmm. I just want to see if you can. Find a commonality here. Okay. Moore, Hardwick, Lewis, Nash, Mitchell, Scrimshaw, Sicily, Impey, Morrison, Gath, O'Meara, McGuinness, Bruce, Newcomb, Reeves, Blank, and I've got to stop at Josh Ward. 
Okay, so that's almost the entire team. Yeah. Read in the least charismatic fashion I could think of. But anyway, I hope everyone's still with us. What is the thread? Because I I didn't know where you were going to stop there, and you've gone through about 13 guys. None of them are a first-round draft pick used by Hawthorne. Ah, there it is. Or even a second-round yes. draft pick. But Tiz, we have to lose these games to get a good draft hand. That's incredible. It is. It's very, uh, it's very promising. It bodes well. Especially more Hardwick Lewis, Nash. I mean, like people be yelling, Tom Mitchell. Yeah. We didn't pick him. Yeah, yeah. Amira also. We mm-hmm. didn't pick him. Fair enough. Yeah. But when you have, when you have pick 74 and pick 76, ah, they uh, were integral. And so the other side of the coin of this, of course, is as we're recording this, uh, this is on the day in which um, David Noble has been let go. By the North Melbourne Football Club, they're clamouring for a first round pick, uh, priority or two, pick, I should or two, say, or two. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it just goes to show, if you're a loser club, it doesn't matter what picks you get. If you're a really good club, you can make something out of nothing. Well, not really nothing, but you let people develop into their potential. All I'm saying is, Mitch Lewis has picked seventy six. Yeah, and he was written off as a joke. He himself has referred to his arrival at the football club as a meme. <laughs> That's what Mitch Lewis said. So. That'd be so, like, gutting. Like, you've retrieved your dream of hitting a list and they've gone with, oh, he's a hybrid of (laughs) Sam Mitchell and Jordan Lewis. How how quaint. It's good times, Hawthorne, good times. Good good goof. But, uh, yeah, we'll move on, I think. Uh, (laughs) Mitch Lewis, though. I mean, what a superstar. I think he's averaging the most goals a game in, in the league. Is that right? Well, yes, he is. And that article you... Uh, posted to me today yeah. with Adrian Hickmott. Yeah, yeah. And the impact he's had on Mitch psychologically mm-hmm. in that he's, the performance anxiety is gone. He feels like he is the main man. He's been acting like the main man since about, what, round seven? Yeah, that's right, yeah. It, all that aggression, I mean, it's just, he is consistent and he values it. And I guess that's the difference with some of these players who are now starting to hit their straps. You know that they're not going to go below a certain point in their performance yeah, now. Yeah, which is important. Yeah, and that's when you know they're developing well. So, I don't know, but also, you know, if we got a few first-rounders... Oh, it couldn't hurt, because you, you want your pick of the, of the best, right? You want the best of the best on the table, and then you can have your choice. I mean, it doesn't... It's not the worst thing in the world. I think the wins and losses from here, if anyone's worried about sacrificing our draft hand, I think we're going to be okay. Like, the wins and losses will take care of themselves. We are where we are. We're not going to suddenly rocket up the ladder. I just don't see that happening for Hawthorne. Look, Adelaide were truly awful. Yeah, they were pretty bad. And we didn't really extend the margin all that much. No, no. After that first quarter. Their best work was evidently in the third. They came out after halftime with a plan and executed it pretty well. Anyway, to get McHenry, because I hate him, but I really love him. You know, If you you hated Ned McHenry, this was the game for you. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) And when he kicked it into Hardwick's shoes, that was brilliant. And also, what a prick. <laughs> Just gaming the system. I, you know. We had a question here from Hawk12. Uh, who do you think will be the second forward to partner the destroyer Mitch Lewis for years to come? All good teams have two good tall forwards. Who is that person to kick your bag for Hawthorne? Is it next year's draft pick or is it Cozzy, Jekka, Callow? Who do we reckon? Well, look, I've been a little bit weird for a week now mm. and I decided to take along binoculars to Marvel Stadium. Okay. Yeah. 
So I was that bloke in the crowd. Have you ever seen anyone else with binoculars in the crowd? Well, I feel like the bar has been set at a certain point because didn't we see recently that someone was at Marvel Stadium with a whiteboard and shuffling around magnets? <laughs> did you right. say that? Yeah, I did see yeah, that. Okay, so yeah. you're not that was the... not me. No, <laughs> that's another level I'm yet to reach. Yeah, okay, that was on level three. So you're, you're normally a level two medallion club man, but anyway. <laughs> oh no, 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 I wouldn't encourage him. Um, <laughs> no, but I. So I spent what I'm going on to say is I spent a fair bit of time watching Cosy. Yeah, and okay. uh, with the binoculars, I actually enjoyed the setups at the at the clearances much much more. Mm-hmm. But Cosy does a power of work that you do not see, and he spends a lot of his time not getting in the road of Mitch Lewis. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's uh, it, it was good to watch, and he had he had a couple of moments where he just put his body completely on the line. Yeah, it's one of those games where the stat sheet doesn't say much about his game, but oh, if but he'd have to be frustrated with how it's going because he he is in position a lot of times, yeah. and there were a few times where they just they were Mitch hungry. You know, well, they, they knew to look for Mitch, they, yeah. you know, and why wouldn't you? He's on fire. You, well, they you started dropping in the second half. The reason he didn't get such a good run at it, and he's yeah. got to combat this and work it out because mm-hmm. they're dropping people in front of him. That's right. Mm. Yeah, uh, I thought. Credit to Jacob, though, that when it was his time to go, he did go. I thought he had some really good moments in particular. He got his in, goal. Well, that's right. But in, in the final quarter as well, I mean, he hit up um, O'Meara and not just blaze away. That's sensational vision. But the execution of the kick was the thing for me. Mm. Like, great, great yeah. pass. How did he get out the back like that? <laughs> that's the last person I thought. Well... How about the vision from McGuinness, who we've already been talking about? He gets. Yes. He, I think they broke the tag on Dawson, mm-hmm. who he who he thoroughly took out of the game yeah. in that last quarter, and then he's the one who puts that kick through. He just manages to get it onto the boot and mm. over the back. So he saw Cosy was in space. Yeah. Now Cosy didn't have the pace to uh, sort of burn off his opponent or anything. Mm. He's up against Brody Smith, who's still recovering from being crunched. Um, so desperate to talk about that, are you? We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, we will. But, you know, that, that that was a presence of mind. And the other bloke, mm. who I really enjoyed, I was in I was in the uh, Latrobe End city pocket, mm-hmm. and Bruce put on a show for us there. Yeah. I mean, his status as a veteran star really came to the surface, didn't it? He did some good things. But there's one thing out of this game. out of the When you think, when are you going to be... Years from now, and you think, "Oh yeah, I was at the, oh, I was at that thousandth win." Yeah, right. Um, it'll be when Dylan Moore mm. they decided that they were going to make him an elite midfielder. Yes, yep, that's right. There's uh, quite a few interesting decisions uh, positionally from Hawthorne this game, even from the first bounce. And we talked about it a bit. Impey and McGuinness up forward, and you sort of just you looked at this side and you're like, interesting. I wonder if this will come off. And it did. Everything they tried, you'd probably tick off on. Connor Nash to the wing. Yep. That was something that hasn't worked in the past. Josh Morris no longer sided forward. He's played as a defender. He didn't have an amazing game. No, he made a couple of really poor decisions. Efficiency at 50%. But but then when he didn't have time to think about it, Mm. he was fantastic. Yep. You know, so when he wasn't thinking about the moment. Yeah. (laughs) He just react. He took that mark, mm-hmm. and then he got the fifty because Key's good in here or something. You know, yeah, something like that. Yeah, oh, that was so rough on Key's. But anyway, <laughs> I thought it was good. I hope he remains in the team too because mm. we've got a bit of star power to come back. We need to go 
through some of these players are listed in the rundown. I know we've been pinballing all over the place. But we need to ground this with some sort all of right, structure. All right, I'm starting with Dylan Moore. Fair enough. 29 touches, efficiency of 86.2%, five clearances just behind Jai Newcomb and Tom Mitchell in that regard. A team-high 28 pressure acts, an equal team-high seven tackles. He led inside 50s for Hawthorne outright with eight in total, plus eight score involvements in all. It has to be in the conversation for one of Dylan Moore's best games for the club. 10 contested, 18 uncontested possessions. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. It's a nice little balance, isn't it? Beautiful balance. You can't ask for much more than that. Like, And then there was a bloke who's had very good shutdown roles in the last couple of weeks. Mm. And this week, he decided he wanted a bit of uh, leather poisoning. It's a good way of putting it. 32 touches for Blake Hardwick with an efficiency of 87.5%. I mean, both Moore and Hardwick, with the... Sheer accumulation and then the efficiency is absolutely lethal against an opposition. Seven intercepts as well for Hardwick, seven score involvements, and uh, scored some coaches' votes as a result. So Blake Hardwick became an attacking force. An attacking force indeed, and I've got to admit, Tiz, I feel a little bit sheepish, because at some stage of this season, I wouldn't have put him in calculations for the PCM at all. But uh, you consider his body of work in recent weeks, it's been quite incredible, and, and this is... His best game yet. So he's your pick for PCM now? They wouldn't be my outright pick, but I'm saying... No, because, a, like, Sicily, I mean... Yeah, Sicily. Yeah, so... Newcomb's got to be up there as well. I, I'm saying that he's a sneaky chance for a podium. Did you think Newcomb looking tired? Uh, I read somewhere today that he was battling injury in the second half and okay. maybe slowed right down. But, I mean, still an industrious 25-touch game for Newcomb. Six inside 50s, a team-high eight clearances... I'm not really concerned with numbers like those. You forgot about the big stat. Oh, yes. One torpedo. Oh, of course. A torpedo punt. That was incredible. (laughs) He looks good. You know, you you see flashes from him and he's been inconsistent the past couple of weeks, but you give him an opportunity and he's just such a brilliant kick. I felt like it was one of those games where he didn't need to take the team on his shoulders and carry them home. Uh, it was a much more consistent effort, and there were other players to notice, one of which was uh, Finn McGuinness, who we've mentioned already, brought in for a hard tag. Jordan Dawson's numbers slashed Tiz, well down from his average disposals a game. Finn restricted him to just 15 for the day. Uh, he was also held to just one mark, one rebound, 50, two intercepts, and his season average for metres gained was more than halved on this occasion. So Hawthorne rewarded Finn with a chance, and Finn rewarded Hawthorne. The system works, Tiz. Yeah, it does. I'm glad they released the tag and we got to see Finn go about his own game later on. But, um, you know, no more preamble. Come on. (laughs) It's a return to Connor Corner. (laughs) Best game ever? (laughs) In the history of the league. No. Uh, best for, game for, for his, him. Yeah, certainly this season. Uh, 22 silky smooth touches. Some of those handballs yeah, in very particular nice. yep. really hit the mark. He ran at 81.8% disposal efficiency. Some really crucial touches. Eight score involvements and a goal for himself. I call him the accountant, Tiz, because he loves crunching numbers. We've already got the tax man, Nick. Do we really need an accountant as well? <laughs> yeah, we're onto a theme here with Hawthorne players, aren't we, with this list. But uh, Connor Nash... I mean, what a chase down tackle that effectively changed the game. It did. Halted momentum, yep. which, although I said Sammy at the top of the show was fantastic in the way he set up and prepped, um, 
during the game, sometimes his tactical decisions can't really influence the momentum. Mm. And so his strategy before the game, brilliant, got us up to a great start, and we've seen that in the past, you know. But once the other team adjusts, and they do. Often yeah. they come straight back and we find it very hard. And uh, it's just moments like that, individual moments. Um, and we've seen it from CJ as well and we've seen Nash and, you know, having the ability. <laughs> and also the celebration he received from the other players and the yeah. crowd, yeah, which has embraced Connor Nash now. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you've noticed that, Nick. Mm. <laughs> All right, you were way early off the mark. No, no, no. I I really enjoy it because he's worked hard and he's got there. It's not like he finds. It's not like he makes it look easy, is it? No, no. no. Had a question here from the Spaghettist at Hawk Talk Pod. Imagine for a moment a Venn diagram of Mark Blixarves and Connor Nash. I see a lot of similarities between the two. What areas of Nash's game does he need to work on to reach that kind of level? Oh, definitely body work. Mm. Blixarves is much better using his body in the contest. and Yeah, the first thing that came to mind for me was contested marking. Yeah. I just don't think that's a particularly great part of Connor Nash's game. I don't. It's one that's not tested a lot, to be fair. But, I mean, Connor Nash tackles much better than Blixar's does, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so pick your poison, basically. But I like the uh, comparison. That was always... My hope was that kind of model. Mm-hmm. Fast-running, tall wingman that you can hit a pass to, um, make sure he can bring it down. You know, if you can... But, I mean, Blixars has won best and fairest at Geelong at full back, hasn't he? I'm not sure. I don't pay close attention to Geelong. It might surprise you. But uh, what you wanted for Nash, I remember when he arrived at the club, the the impossible match-up. That's what we were spruiking for. Well, that's that's exactly what you want. You You want Connor to work on one part of his game that no one else can match him in and no one else can really nullify him in. Yeah. And that's what you want for many players who are, who are either midfielders or in the in the attacking uh, role. We need to move into some honourable mentions. I thought one guy that will not be talked about at all, which is probably a shame, is Tom Mitchell. I thought had a reasonably good game. Uh, he, he's starting to put together a much better workload mm-hmm. um, and getting to places that he needs to be. Yeah. Whereas a month ago, he was well out of position, often. The word for me is influence. We started to build that again. That well, started I, to return. Do you know what I felt? I felt the communication between McAvoy and Mitchell mm-hmm. was obvious. Well, let's move on to McAvoy, because that's his first game back from a serious neck injury. Uh, you couldn't really tell. No, no, you couldn't. Um, Didn't shirk a contest. By his own admission, he would have liked a more prolific game in terms oh, of well, the yeah, stat but... sheet, but... I, look, it was great to have him back out there, and the crowd embraced him as well. They were up and about for every position he got, and well, yeah, he didn't get a touch in the first quarter. He got near it though, and the crowd was excited. <laughs> <laughs> McAvoy, uh, his inclusion, it, it, it kind of brought to the table that issue of just what are we trying to do? McAvoy and Reeves, so we're playing two rucks. And I told you this was the plan. And I'm not saying you disagreed with me necessarily. I think you had some suspicion that this might not be a good idea. And one week is a small sample size, as, I know. As, well, it's not really one week now. Okay, well, And we'll get enough. to that because every time we've played Twin Rucks, mm-hmm. we've won. I'm telling you, I think that was the plan. Going off everything that we saw in preseason, yeah. I... It's but is a, it the plan going forward? Because, well, yeah. you know, McAvoy's not around for all that much longer. No, it's true. It's true. But I think, that, you know, in preseason it was to rest McAvoy forward 
which is exactly what happened from the first bounce. And uh, Reeves was the number one guy. Um, Did you have Reeves for first goal? Because that... (laughs) would shock you, but no. That could pay for the end of podcast season. (laughs) That's right. Footy trip. Bloody good goal, though. It was a good goal. Very unexpected for a 211-centimetre ruckman to kick that kind of goal. But uh, Then he's so tall, given high fives. That's dangerous, really. (laughs) With that much enthusiasm. Exactly right. He yeah. needs the low fives, I think. Exactly. You've got to rein in those low fives. <laughs> yeah, You're going to collect people high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, McAvoy being back is just great for Hawthorne, I reckon. It, it settles us. It returns us to what we were trying to do strategically. And uh, finally, after such a long time, we're getting a, a look at these best laid plans for the preseason. Uh, the other twinning that I see going a long way further into the future. Can, can I guess? I'll steal your thunder. I want to guess. Is it going to be James Blank and Denver Granger Brass? It is. Yes. I thought they were <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, I think Blank in particular is really impressing me. What was that, his third game? He just gets so involved in moving the ball forward. He wants the ball. He wants yep. to show up his opponent. Mm-hmm. It's uh, he puts he puts a lot of pressure, and then his punching is terrific. Mm. Thirty meter punches, and he plays the game with a, a great deal of zest and physicality, and and courage, and good body work. I mean, he's a he's a big boy. He's he a is. good matchup for some of these guys. And do you believe that he forgot to nominate Nick? <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's even in the realms of possibility? Anyway, we move on. Uh, <laughs> less said about that, the better. Uh, wow. uh, but DGB also deserves credit. Uh, I'm not necessarily certain he... In fact, I know that he didn't deserve a call-up, but he got it and uh, he repaid the faith, so good on him. He did. He he, he looked good at times, but uh, I thought that uh, when he collected the ball, he looked a lot better than he has in the past, mm-hmm. um, making better decisions yeah. when he does find himself in possession. But- it's. I'll tell you what, it certainly helps that Blank and DGB, for guys that have played very, very few games, especially in the case of Blank, that they do play with confidence. They do show it. Um, like they can hang, like they belong. We haven't got to Sicily. No. Was he the angry version again? Yeah, and it didn't really cost us. It threatened to at times, but... God, it was fun, wasn't it? We nearly had to give him back the captaincy. It looked like he had a tanty. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he uh, he was just supremely entertaining. That that rundown tackle. Oh yes, I, I say rundown. It was more. That was McHenry, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was McHenry. So and then he just... told him about it for a good <laughs> did a, ten seconds. Did a bit of a Stone Cold Steve Austin and just like <laughs> laid into him on the mat, just talking directly into his face. <laughs> Um, and then a lonely Adelaide Crows player came over and said, would you mind not doing that, <laughs> James? Um... <laughs> Mr. Sicily, sir, a uh, word. Uh, but you know why that that whole thing was forced by our defensive structures? C- Sicily was able to sort of patrol that space and basically dare McHenry, come on, take yeah, me on, yeah. take me on. Yeah. And of course it failed. But the guy that was guarding that space that confused McHenry as to what to do with the footy was CJ who I thought he didn't have a spectacular game, but some of that familiar flair was back. Did you see Sammy giving him a nuggy at the end of the game? No, I didn't, no. <laughs> so there's a real camaraderie between them. Mm. I, I think uh, he, you know, he's big down on confidence, CJ. He's had 
opposition sides work him over, really. So it's good for him to start hitting back. We do have a number of questions here, uh, a couple pertaining to CJ, one from Tim and one from Michael. Uh, first from Tim here, CJ's woeful kicks after a run through the centre were a blight on yesterday's win. Would you agree that he needs to possibly run for five metres less and focus more on the final disposal? And following up here, Michael, uh, does someone need to sit down with CJ and talk disposal? His run and pressure are great, but too often his kicks don't hit targets. Yeah, well, that happens when you're running at speed. He's not taking the time to slow down. He has a perceived pressure about him at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah you've got to take into account that he's often dashing through the most guarded part of the ground <laughs> that the opposition do not want you to use. Yeah. And and the walls are closing in like the trash compactor from A New Hope. <laughs> but it's true. He must be under so much pressure with that kick. Do I think that he could afford to use it better? Yes. Um, if that means five metres less, as Tim says, yeah, fair enough. Look, if he starts hitting targets, look out. And he will. Yeah. They're, they're going to be working on that at training. But it, it is definitely perceived pressure. You've got to understand as well that just the, the sheer overload of adrenaline that must go through you to have the ball in that part of the ground and the entire Hawthorne fan base coming to life. Like you, yeah, you almost would should, run too Do you think far. we should be quiet? Because perhaps he <laughs> perceives it as someone's getting close, is on his back. Right, yeah. There's maybe a bit of that happening. <laughs> so what you're suggesting is, you know, for like a live taping of a TV show, how they might flash up applause. <laughs> we need one of those. But Silence. <laughs> Sotto voce. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's a visceral st- thing when you see CJ storming. Oh, it, it's one of the more entertaining parts of, of what Hawthorne brings to the table right now. He's the one that does it the best. We've got a few that can. Uh, i tell you what, another guy that we haven't mentioned here, he's not even on the rundown. I feel ashamed of myself. Jack Scrimshaw. Yep. yep. Magnificent. Season. And, Magnificent season. Yeah, I yep. mean, we're talking about PCM before. I mean, he's got to be a good shot. Um, it's a very nice position to be in at round 17. We can look at the season and go... We're getting good draft picks, and there's hope in the side. That's right. There's, there's a few people jostling for that spot in terms of like best in the season. Previous years, it was you know blatantly obvious, but I, I like that there's competition at the moment, so that's good. Next question, this one about Jarman Impey. Well, I had a couple about Jarman Impey, actually. Anthony, does Impey stay forward for now? Looked his best for a while. And this one from James as a follow-up. Uh, thoughts on Impey as a permanent forward? Looks very natural. I've always preferred him down there. Can he fit in with Butler, Bruce, Wingard, and more? Now, this is where we start talking about defensive forwards and our lack of them. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they came in and they were able to provide pressure on the halfbacks, McGuinness basically took Dawson out of the game, though, without an exit, meant Brody Smith and Laird had more of the ball than you would expect they ought to. Yeah. But it worked. And mm-hmm. Bruce was just happy to attack. That's right. He yeah. didn't have to worry about. <laughs> putting pressure on anyone. We were without Gunston, of course, sadly, yep. um, which is a big hole out of that lineup. Butler goes out as well. When's Wings due again? Not for a few weeks. Yeah, I think. So whether he even comes back at all, maybe, what, the last couple of weeks of the season, is it worth it? I don't know. If he's Obviously, if he's fit to play, we know Chad is going to want to play. Well, I mean, if Impey plays forward for the next few weeks and really enjoys himself and then his best mate comes in the side, he's back to <laughs> back flank. <laughs> yeah, effectively. And then and then what of... Well, I actually thought Impey moving down there made space for Morris yes. like, to, to play yeah, that role. Yeah. 
and then what of him i guess he just misses out he goes out of the side um there's still so many moving parts of this hawthorne team there's a lot there's a lot that's going to change over the next few weeks i feel um do i want him to stay forward uh yeah it's intriguing i knew that he could i would prefer him as a halfback i think that's where historically he's done his best work he's put together career best seasons in that position but um i'm interested i'm leaning forward from my seat i want to see more uh i mean we're playing the eagles this week i feel like we could afford to experiment a bit more with that was bruce played in the midfield because i've just had a look and he had five tackles so uh yeah he wasn't remiss in his defensive efforts it Mm. just felt like he was much closer to goal this week for me and there are a couple of times where it just looked like the, uh, I don't know, the experience of the three premierships was just... That's what I noticed as well. And, and it's hard not to when he just breaks that tackle and steps around, snaps one through. It's like, well, that's vintage. Yeah. That's just bruised all over. If you've watched any any Hawthorne in the last, well, I don't know, what, decade <laughs> or so, uh, you've seen that a million times. There are a couple of times too where I thought Adelaide were pretty dumb. I mean, a couple of our players don't have a great left foot, don't have a great yeah. right foot, yeah. and they still manage to get onto it easy. So, mm-hmm. anyway. This question from uh, Josh. Why do you think we looked more structured with McAvoy back in the team? If I had to guess, I'd say it's because it's the thing that we practiced a million times in preseason. That it was just so well drilled into into these guys. They knew exactly how to get things done. And I think McAvoy's kind of an authority out there. Yeah, well, just a little bit. He's just our captain. So, uh, and his influence, even with his injury off-field, would be supreme. Well, it's all about standards for McAvoy, isn't yeah. it? And he knows that what he accepts, he's going to receive. So, yeah. yeah. And he knows what it takes to be in a great side. He's been there, he's done that, and he'll, he'll lead the way. Um, and he's also been at a club where, you know, they got close, but... <laughs> Can't believe we play them again. Oh, yeah. Not looking forward to that. Never like playing St Kilda. Anyway, uh, this question from Liam. How does our long-term ruck future look? Which is a fairly pertinent question coming off discussing McAvoy. We'll get to the VFL stuff soon, but I'm liking Lynch and I'm liking Ramsden so far. Tell me about Ramsden. I mean, he's a, he's a lanky boy. He's not much of an accumulator. Mm. But I feel like he has a decent crack. He doesn't mind getting in and under and getting a contested possession. Is there a bit of... You know, suave or a bit of personality about him? or uh, a, a little bit. I wouldn't necessarily say he's a workman-like ruck. Does right. that make any sense? Okay. Yeah, I feel like he's got a little bit more flair for a ruckman than I'm used to seeing. Okay, so we won't be getting Grundy. Is that what you're telling <laughs> me? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> be fun, though. Apparently he's on the table. Yeah. Graham Wright's like, oh, this is an absolute albatross around our neck. Uh, who wants him? We'll pay half his salary. Who wants him? Let's just look through my contacts. Oh, <laughs> seem to have a few here from Hawthorne. <laughs> no, the Rams- when I left, you didn't have any rucks. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you've taken Lynch off our books. Now, do you want, you want Grundy as well? Or? <laughs> no, Ramson is obviously a long-term prospect. He's, he's still very green. I'm liking what I'm seeing so far from a very small sample size. And as for Lynch... As we'll get to with the VFL recap, Lynch, when he gets on the park, has been more than satisfactory for me. Yep. Very happy with that pickup. If he could have a little bit better luck next season, that would be fantastic. That's the only thing holding him back. Uh, another one from Liam. How does Warple fit back into the midfield? Well, he doesn't this year, so... He doesn't this year, no. So you would you'd probably find they make room for him in the off-season. 
Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot to play out in the offseason there. Uh, I don't imagine Warple gets back. Uh, how does Tank look for a spot on the list next year? Keep on doing what he's doing. I mean, he got his opportunity. I thought he had a reasonable, satisfactory game against Adelaide. So there's five changes have to be made to the list. And of course, mm. you know, one of those five can be offered a rookie spot or mm-hmm. whatever you're doing. I would say he's shown quite a lot. Like a few weeks ago, I said he's less likely than... <laughs> I wasn't going to hold you to that. I think you should. Because <laughs> if he gets out from this... Oh, look, there, there's there's other players that are more in danger of falling off the list than him right now. He He probably has the greatest opportunity to determine his own future, and it's happening right now for Josh Morris. Well, I was shocked by the diagnosis for Bramble. Yeah, yeah. Do we want to talk about that? I mean, this is... Well, I've been it's a, very pertinent to what happens with... Well, with the halfbacks, yeah. With Morris. And, and yeah, with Morris. Uh, maybe a bit of scuttlebutt and rumour. We don't really know how substantiated this is. We've heard that uh, it was in a, a training incident that he actually got injured, Bramble, and uh, two vertebrae significantly damaged and it seems to be quite a significant injury obviously we know he's gone for the season that much we already knew but the extent of the damage seems a bit concerning when i, when I think about that and it sounds like the uh, injury crawford got um right when someone some fella at melbourne hit him in the back yeah, it can be very debilitating take a long time to come back from those kind of things so for it to happen in training as well after we've had <laughs> a neck fracture as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, look, I said it last week on the podcast. We've had some absolutely dreadful luck with injuries, and it's just as well we're not really contending. I know that we're trying to bed down a game style and identity as a, a club that wants to rise sooner rather than later. But if we were cont- if we were in like a premiership window and we had this sort of luck, it would be absolute pits. Yeah, it would be like. 2014 you know you can't get past that <laughs> actually yeah that's a fair point we did live this year and we won a premiership <laughs> the second of three in a row yeah. so all's well it ends well uh now bramble incident in training where apparently someone took a hanger on him and that's what did the damage you gotta feel terrible well it meant the pack might have fallen on him but yeah yeah I'm... it's still unlucky and we hope it's we hope it's just got a lot. Well, yeah. Hope, hopefully it's just rumour and that you know, no one's culpable of playing a part in what is a significant injury. Anyway, we do move on. Uh, this one from Justin. Would love to see CJ play half forward like Frederick from Freo. Uh, as a defender, team stride drag him back to the last line. Would love him to use his speed and evasion in the front half of the ground. He'd give back lines fits. He would, but you can't have anyone in front of him. And it's not really how we're going to structure up, is it? It is tantalising to think of him terrorizing some defenders that way but i just i think he's too integral to our drive off the half back and the, the wing is probably the furthest i'd move him up the ground maybe i reckon do you know what i i do love that but i, I would love justin's idea of putting him to half forward that's mm. something you do on a grand final day or that's a so, yeah you're so right <laughs> yeah you go Look, Sergio, you've been great at halfback all year. We don't really have a match out for you. <laughs> How about you win a norm kick five off your left? Yeah. <laughs> That's when uh, David Hale and Chris Newman, they have a key each. It's like, all right, on three. And they turn both at the same time and it opens up. You press a button and it's CJ to half forward. And... That's, a, that's where I really enjoyed the start of the game on the weekend where I could see that Mitchell's strategy had... Uh, Totally swamped the mindset of Adelaide, and they got they got back on even keel and and, and almost 
Yeah, but the game was... That, that's the point, isn't it? The game was gone. Yeah. And thanks to, thanks to one Mitch Lewis, the main event himself. And also we held the ball up. We tried yeah. to control the ball. It was a little bit more mature in the way that we didn't attack the whole yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, we didn't true. score. We didn't score a goal in the third quarter. Not great. No, no. But... But we also... We're a developing team. Yeah, and also held them off well enough that it wasn't a problem. Um, oh, they were inaccurate. Well, yeah. But, you know, we still had... Uh, I was going to say we had our chances. They were pretty poor chances. Did you enjoy the Bronx cheer for uh, Taylor Walker a couple of times when he demanded the footy? Well, I have a bone to pick with you. You have joked numerous times on this podcast that I'm into the idea of getting Taylor Walker. <laughs> When in fact... I put it forward. I have accused you of projection. (laughs) (laughs) And all I have to say now is, which player from the weekend do you want in your team? Do you want Taylor Walker or do you want Mitch Lewis? Uh, Oh, come off it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a question. No. He was 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 Yeah, he was. And he's been handed another year. Was he? By Adelaide? Yeah, Adelaide today have signed him on for another year. (sighs) He should have gone somewhere else. He's no good there. He should have gone to retirement. Nah, he's 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 still good. Like mm. I I sometimes feel for um blokes who obviously had that much talent and didn't achieve the ultimate success or, mm. or stuff like that, but um not not really Taylor. I don't it doesn't really well up in me. More for Rewalt and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean what does next year hold for Taylor Walker? Because we know now you can't let him play in the minor leagues. We know what happens when he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't be dropped. No, that's too much of a PR risk, Taylor. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this one from Adrian. There is definitely a role for Finn in this side, and there is no need for him to be playing Box Hill for the remainder of the season. Would Carl Amon improve this side? Yeah. Yes, he would. Yeah. As uh, a weapon, frankly, uh, an attacking wingman. Um, we're still looking for one, really. Remember how Wingard hits up a forward? Mm-hmm. That's Amon. Pretty much. But younger and faster. Not injured. Gets more disposals. Oof. It's tantalising, it really is. And it also means Wingard's not playing in the midfield if he's still at the club. This question from Dean. <laughs> uh, will Sam Mitchell have any journalists at his midweek press conference? One way to control the narrative. Perhaps you guys could slip out there and ask your own questions. Can you imagine that? Us as part of the media pack? Would we fit in? Well, would we would we be allowed in? <laughs> Do they we... have a thing? Do they have I don't know. Nah, the second don't... I read this question was like, what kind of security is down there? At... <laughs> well, wasn't it the case that the AFL had to step in because there was like one bloke present for the presses of Brisbane versus Essendon? Oh right, yeah, that's true. So um Yeah, I'll be meeting the room. No worries. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, how do we go about getting uh, media accreditation for the Hawthorne Football Club? I think you just write an email to AFL House. And God knows, they listen to fans all the time. <laughs> so it should be no problem. Oh, look, I don't want to be a whinger. I'll save it for next week. But <laughs> ticketing yeah. for the game, mm-hmm. ugh, whatever. What was your problem with ticketing? I don't know. I just, I mean, I'm in a sort of quasi level where I didn't know where the GA was and where yeah. it wasn't and... And it is their stadium, of course. But it was fantastic to mm. actually sit with Hawthorne fans. Yes, well, I'm glad that changed because sometimes you just never know. Uh, this question from Dino. Getting gnashed, Finn rewarding the faithful in each contest, main event Mitch standing head and shoulders above the rest, Scrim showing his silk, Sicily embodying the soul of unsociable footy. Did I miss anything? 
I think we've just about covered this game, Tiz, and it's been wonderful to talk about a win. I was hungry for a win, mate. I mean, it's been a while. Obviously, there's no women's footy at the moment. Box Hill haven't been travelling too well. They had another loss on the weekend, sadly, against the Southport Sharks, the second-placed Southport Sharks. It was always going to be hard. 10-14-74, defeated Box Hill, uh, 8-11-59. Plenty of fight from our guys. Uh, They took them to the limit, but it just wasn't enough in the end. Howe and Phillips, complete standouts again. Yep, yeah, clear standouts of the AFL-listed guys. 27 touches for Howe, an equal team-high six clearances, a team-high seven inside 50s as well. Uh, Phillips with 26 touches, a team high, eight tackles. As I said, Lynch looked pretty good in his long-awaited return. I'm really satisfied with what he's showing on the rare occasions he does get back out in the park. Cal Porter putting together a good couple of weeks. He's arguably best on ground again for the team. I feel like this is just one of those occasions. I do credit the Southport Sharks for this. Everyone in our side with a bit of X factor. They're unbelievably professional, the Sharks. Well, they, they held them. Yeah, They knew who to stop, and they did it. Uh, Kavara and Green were down on the usual output. No multiple goal kickers, all singles. Uh, I felt one interesting note from the weekend is uh, Jekka being used in defence. Oh, they're giving up on him as a forward. Is that what you mean? I'm not really sure what the go is there. He didn't do too badly in defence. Do you know who he was playing on? No. Perhaps they were trying to make him learn the ropes on... I'm not. I'm not really sure. Uh, but yeah, Jekka in defence was a, a bit of a left field one. But look, I don't know whether it might have been good to have him up forward in the end because past the wing and half forward, it was a bit of a dead zone for long stretches of that match. We just could not mount anything. It kind of reminded me of Hawthorne of old, really, like the last few years. It was just extremely frustrating to not be able to manufacture anything ever, and almost pinched it in the end, but. I don't know, it comes down to a lack of polish when you see stuff like that. It comes down to what Southport were doing to negate us, but also a bit of luck sometimes as well. So it just didn't come together on the day. So, Dan, how's your pick to come out of the twos? Nope. I'm not sure what changes I'd be making. I look at Howe and Phillips, and me personally, I'm not ru- I'm not rushing them back in. It is officially crunch time now for Box Hill. There's only a few rounds left, and I did say a couple of weeks ago that we could have cemented a spot in the four, but it's gone the complete opposite direction. Now we're outside the eight, having lost the last three games. We're back at Box Hill City Oval this Saturday, 2.05pm, hosting Werribee, who are sixth on the ladder. Uh, Toilet Duck has a question, and it is a fantastic question. Who is knocking on the door of selection from the twos at the moment as we get into Hawthorne versus West Coast at the MCG Sunday, 1.10pm? Tiz, what changes are you making? Will Dale be available? He will be available, yeah. This question from Pridgey, who goes out for Will Day? Uh, echoed by Numo as well. And I dare say a lot of Hawthorne supporters wondering just what changes do we make to accommodate Day and whoever else we need to bring in. Uh, anyone looking tired? Not that I noticed, but you never do notice these things when you have a, a good win, do you? I, th- I thought Ward was excellent and we yeah. just need to watch him do his stuff for the next till the end of the year. Yep, yeah, that's uh, one guy we didn't mention. And Did you notice how often he kicked to Connor McDonald? Yes, I did notice that, actually. And Connor McDonald, yeah. back to him? Yep, <laughs> that's something on the day I did make note of. And, We're uh, not outside playing kick-to-kick, fellas. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was good to see that Ward, I felt, shrugged off some nerves early. And he really settled nicely, and he displayed the kind of composure that he had in the VFL. Like, he, he hit his targets... He looked. He eventually became cool and composed, and 
there is no sense having him back at Box Hill right now. We need him to play these games. He nearly took a fantastic possession mm-hmm. where he, where the ball was coming to him from the left side. He put out his left hand while mm-hmm. fending off his opponent, yep. controlled the ball with the outside of the left, yeah. and then caught it underneath with the left hand again and then got tackled. I thought, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I thought what you were describing there was our Buddy from the qualifying final in 08 against Lakey. <laughs> against Lakey, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a great bounce. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like that, that, that's exciting. Look, I mean, it's obvious Morris, and we don't want to say it because we want him to yeah. get a crack. Well, but... he's the one on the fringes. But do you, the question is, do you pull that lever to bring Day back in? I want to say yes, but also I don't want to do it at the expense of at the expense of Morris. But then, well, I mean, does Finn have a good matchup this week, or is there no one we need to lock down on? It just doesn't seem fair. You're just going to drop him, are you? It just no. You're the one who tabled <laughs> it, not me. It just doesn't doesn't seem fair for him to come out of the side. But then the, the, it really is genuinely the question of well, who then? Well, I mean, Shields can. Well, as the Medi sub, yeah. You know, Morris has five games where he hasn't even graced the field on yeah, his record. A little bit rough. Yeah. Yeah. So when you see his 11 games, you're like, oh, it's quite mm. a number, but not, not really. <laughs> so who else? you got the, the, the paper in front of you still. you got the list there from the weekend. Who would you take Oh, out? well, look, Connor McDonald, um, he only got 88 metres gained and he got 91% disposal efficiency and he only had a couple of tackles. So he'd be, he'd be worried, I suppose. Who else would be worried? Not many, I would have thought. And why would you make many changes to a team that just went one? Well, it was a cohesive team performance. Like, I know we read out a, a number of standouts, but I don't know. There wasn't anyone that I would put on the chopping block. No one had an absolutely dirty day where I thought I need them out of the side. It just wasn't that kind of day. Um, there is a bloke who was in the side, didn't play, hmm. who probably should get a Guernsey on Sunday. Yeah, you would hope so. This question from Numo here. Will this be Liam Shields' last home game at the MCG? If so, will he start the game? You don't want to send out a club champion and triple premiership player as the sub who might not get a run. Fair point. Yeah. But they haven't declared that he's retiring either, so you're not going to... Nope. Nope. Could yet run around next year. And it is Hawthorne. I mean, at halftime, there's a pretty big clue. They're not going (laughs) to... Do you know what I mean? They're not really into that. You can come back in a couple of years. Don't worry about it, boys. We'll do you at half time. Send you around. It'd be great. That's right. This weekend, uh, the Eagles game will mark an opportunity for Hawthorne fans to finally and properly farewell a few Hawthorne heroes. Jordan Lewis, Ben Stratton, Paul Puapolo, and Grant Birchall are going to go around in cars at halftime. Is uh, Sam Mitchell going to get in a car as well? Because I recall <laughs> we didn't get to farewell him. It might as well. Uh, it might be a bit busy. Actually, it depends how far up we are at halftime. <laughs> That is facetious. The the Eagles have had a rough year, and they deserve more respect than that. No, I don't think so. (laughs) I remember the Eagles from the early 90s, and they deserve very little respect. Now, I remember the Eagles from 2015, so good times. (laughs) (laughs) On the hottest grand final on record, Tiz. Yeah, well, I've got to say, I sat in the sun in 2008, so that was the hottest grand final on ever. (laughs) Yeah, so those four players, we finally get to farewell at halftime at the MCG this this Sunday at one ten pm which is going to be good. Be good to see Birch again. Sad that Silk can't be part of it for obvious reasons, and we don't get Clarko either. What's he up to? Is he coaching North yet? What's happening? 
Oh, were you all right this morning? Like, what do you mean? Well, you probably got that uh, rictus in the jaw from smiling too much, did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, oh, look, there are shambles. That's all I have to say about it, really. You. <laughs> what did you do? Write a column. <laughs> oh, you hate them so much. I really do. I really do. Yeah. And yet, the thing I fear the most is that we drop a game to them in Hobart. In two weeks. When they pick a coach. I don't know. It's just... No. The you, last you couple of be, years... You should be grateful it didn't happen the week we play them. Actually, probably the number one thing I thought. <laughs> like, thank God this has happened now. Because we know it happens when, when a coach gets the sack and the team Absolutely ridiculous stat. I've got to check whether it's true because it's yeah. apocryphal. Everyone believes it, but I'm not sure it's real. They, they come out firing. And for what? The damage has been done. It makes no sense. Uh, anyway, yeah, that, that's... Uh, that's. They weird. did have a crack on the weekend, though. That was one of their best performances. They nearly got over Collingwood and then gone. I know, great. On a more sombre note, did you notice how the 13 was the best of field on the weekend? Yeah. Uh, the football community mourns the passing of Premiership hero and Norm Smith medalist Paul Deere last week. Uh, he lost his battle to pancreatic cancer, sadly. An outpouring of sadness and celebration for Deere's career and legacy it is. It was quite something to see. The whole football community... Um, reflects fondly on what he contributed to football and, and what he did after football as well. He launched a campaign, Paul Deere, called Dare to Hope, which raises awareness and funds in support of others impacted by pancreatic cancer. This week's game, in fact, against the Eagles at the MCG will mark the Dare to Hope match, which will generate vital money for the Dare to Hope Paul Deere Pancreatic Cancer Fund, as if you needed another reason to get along. Uh, you've got those heroes to celebrate at halftime and you've got this fantastic cause. So, mate... It was great to get along to the footy uh, to Marvel Stadium. I mean, it's just a sacrifice that has to be made heading yeah, there. An but enjoyable jaunt out to Marvel. That's right. We got that's a win. A, it was great like... to be back seeing a game live and seeing a win live. Uh, every reason to get down to the G this weekend with all that in mind. And also the fact is we're playing the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Really, we should walk away with the four points. Right. I mean, come on. You're confident, are you? Well, I, I would bloody hope so. Good. I'd be pretty disappointed... Yeah, it's it's either the Eagles or North, either of those games. To drop those, I'd be pretty bummed out. Okay, so I'm getting concerned now. That's a lot of wins. So this is the thing. This is my position on this. Bank those two wins, and as long as we're competitive... Can I offer you a draw? (laughs) No, I will not be bargained with. (laughs) Bank the next two wins, and whatever we do for the rest of the season, as long as we're competitive, and we start betting things down in terms of what we're trying to become... That'll be enough for me. Just get the next two, please. They're the ones that we cannot afford. That would be embarrassing, either of those, to lose. You're nodding your head. Do you agree with me? You see, what is this expression you've got on your face? Look, all I want to see is, uh, what's the term? Green shoots. Green shoots. Green shoots. (laughs) Well, we're getting that. Week to week. Absolutely, yeah. Now, you might be streaming our show via Spotify or Audible, or maybe you're on SoundCloud. If you're on Apple Podcasts, though, you could spare a minute and please do, to rate and review our show. That would be wonderful. We'd really appreciate that. We'd also love for you to join us on our social channels. You can get on board with an amazing community of Hawthorne fans over on Twitter, twitter.com slash hawktalkpod, and Facebook, facebook.com slash hawktalkpod, plus we're on Instagram, so join us over there. Uh, always great fun after a win, too. Everyone buzzing in the community. Great to see. And lastly, of course, 
a shout out to our proud, passionate, and paid-up Patreon subscribers who keep the lights on at Hawk Talk Pod HQ and help us to keep making content. If you like what we do here and want to support us, uh, get some sweet bonus content in the process too. Hop on patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. You can sign up for as little as the price of a cup of coffee, Tiz, and make a very real contribution to making the show what it is. All the details are online. Head to patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. I've been looking forward to that recording since the final siren. Absolutely, mate. It's been nice to sit down with you and reflect on this win. Had quite a few little sub-stories and narratives going on throughout that match. As you point out, the number 13 represented very well by Dylan Moore. Uh, Main event, Mitch Lewis. Thousandth win. Thousandth win. Connor Nash's tackle. And goal. Yeah, Finn McGuinness doing the blanket job. Blank doing a blanket job. <laughs> and for me, I've been banging on about Josh Morris for weeks. I finally got to see him and I thought he was satisfactory. Yeah, he thought he was banging. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just something else. Uh, another storyline from this game, which uh, I only noticed after that, because we were both at the game, right? We were both at the ground. But the um, the coverage after the fact on social media revealed that our whole AFLW side were in the stands. Oh, yeah. And was that... Pre or post? Was it a recovery session? Or? <laughs> because of the uh, the best and fairest. Yes, uh, VFLW best and fairest happened in the past week as well. Uh, congratulations to Jordan Mifsud, who took out top honours there, and well-deserved. Runner-up was Christy Stratton, who uh, put together a magnificent season in front of goals. Top well goal scorer. There you go. Yeah, it was equal, equal top, wasn't she, with Jesse Williams? Anyway, she was one of our best. And uh, third was tied between Emma Humphreys, who is... Uh, Moved on to West Coast. She'll be in their AFLW side. Ooh. And uh, Dom Carbone, who you'll remember, Tiz. Bit of a shout-out from uh, Meg Hutchins last week as one to watch for our AFLW side. Yeah, and the shirt number. And the Guernsey number. That's right. Get Dom Carbone's number on your back when those numbers are, in fact, released. They're in the vault still. I can't wait for that. Anyway, I thought that was a, a nice little note to end on. The, the whole family was there, Tiz. We were there. You had all the... Uh, AFLW players there, some you know, it was a well attended game for what it was, two bottom sides, but I felt like the atmosphere was good. I, I really enjoyed the atmosphere this time. Even if I had to keep looking at some bar that they were trying to flog on the adverts <laughs> instead of looking out to see what was actually anyway, I'm whinging again. I just hate that stadium. Oh. <laughs> well, we're gonna be back at the G. 1 10 pm this Sunday. It's Hawthorne versus the West Coast Eagles. Get along for Dare to Hope. Get along for our heroes in attendance as well from Premierships Past. It's going to be a great afternoon. And uh, we will see you there. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.